0: Hello and welcome to The Safing Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining. We're at number 12. We skipped last week since it's kind of a lot to do at the moment, we're preparing our Kickstarter. We had the shoot yesterday, which was exciting, but yeah, it makes the time schedule a bit tight. And very happy to share that soon, pretty soon. So this episode is actually a continuation of the blog post but you can absolutely only listen to this. That's totally fine. It's just the concept that builds upon each other. So the blog post was more about the next five steps, which we will be doing at Safing, which are planned out. And this week we will talk about the further vision and plans and dreams and all that stuff that we have, which aren't as near, but it's definitely fun to still talk about that so yeah if you like what we do so you can join our reddit and join us our cause and that is at r safing at reddit and without further ado let's jump into the talk and have fun enjoy welcome daniel well hello it's good to be back with the podcast
1: Yes, I'm looking forward especially to this um, episode where we're going to talk about all the fun stuff.
0: <laughs> this is probably your area to, to talk about, I guess, since you're like, from a personality type, you're, you're probably most mostly wired to dream or more than yeah. the other two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like the topic for today is dreaming about safety and what it will be like in five years. And I just wanted to establish the foundation for that or like the points where we will, like what the current state is so we can then can talk, talk about the future. So one of the key components is our mission statement, which is to enable you to reclaim your privacy. And we are building tools to help everyone withstand today's mass surveillance and Oftentimes when when I use a text to describe ourselves, like on Twitter and all that stuff, I adapt that a bit. And then the most compact version of us is forging powerful privacy tools as a company. Like we as a company, we are forging powerful privacy tools. And one of the key elements in there is the powerful and that we, we don't mean only because of the features and all the se- security and p- privacy you gained through through the tool uh, but also because it is easy to set up and use and would you want to chime into that why we like equally envision something that is easy I think that is the
1: the, the primary thing that that started out um, with Safing is the realization that so many there's so many tools out there but you really have to know to a great extent how they work and what they do and how they protect you in order to use them correctly. And there were so many tools that I'd love to have my friends and my family to use but they were just too complex um, to explain to them and they wouldn't be bothered because the it's such a, there's such a high um gap of expertise that's missing that well it doesn't really make sense going down that route with them. So I was left with all the really basic stuff. And I wanted to create something that everyone could use. Why should only the technically adept um people be able to have privacy online and I wanted to bring that power to everyone.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that is, that is a very important factor. We have to keep in the back of our heads as we dream about the future, because we, as you said, we don't only want the techies to enjoy privacy, but we think this is a very important thing for our whole society. Um. So, Now that that's established, we can move on to the next steps. And last week I made a blog post about it. I'll leave it in the show notes, but what our next five steps are. So one is releasing the S P that is our privacy network. And after that, we will also allow community nodes come into the network. So we we are not the single point of trust, so it, it is fully decentralized, we will then move on. Since it's starting out with Windows, we will add the Linux support, the Mac support, and we also want to integrate an application firewall. So that all you can read about in the blog post. Um, but today's talk is more about the long-term dreams of saving. So yeah, I'm excited to to talk with you, Daniel. I guess you're mm-hmm. the one with the most uh, long-term visions. Like I'm always uh, slowing you down or everyone down and like focus on the now, focus on the now, <laughs> only the next steps. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how
1: many surprises you will have in this episode. Yeah. There, there might be things you don't even know about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> so even when we talk about all of this, also keep in mind we are staying on the ground, or uh, if if things get out of hand, it's my job to to uh, slow you, ca- you down. So these are just crazy ideas. Some of them are more crazy than the others. Others are really realistic. But don't yeah don't quote us on this if it doesn't happen in the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> it might take uh, yeah we we might head into t- another direction or whatever. But I thought I would just start off with the SPN. So mm-hmm. I think, S- I th- should we just quickly explain what it is and then we can expand on what we want to add on top of that? Yeah, sure, go ahead. So the SPN is uh, the Safing Privacy Network. It's a service, or you download an app, and that app sits on the kernel. It's open source, and it intercepts all outgoing network traffic. And instead of using the under quotes, normal internet, it routes the connections through our uh, privacy network. And that, in a sense, it, the the key fact is it decouples you as a person from your destination. So the ISP or any other middleman out there cannot track where you are going or track your private activities. So I hope that is a good wrap about what it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll just go from there.
0: Okay, yeah, so okay. What what's kind of like next to the enforced DNS over TLS, which will be included at the community nodes which will decentralize the network and not like take away us as a single point of trust. How can we expand onto that in the next five to 10 years? Okay, maybe let's first go into um,
1: what we've planned for the SPN um, itself. Yeah. Um, so one big part that we haven't yet talked about a lot is how payment is handled within SPN and because this is a really important part um, to protect privacy is to decouple the, the payment from the actual um, user. Um, well, using the sense of um, the traffic and the usage of the system. So there, there's a separate payment system and there you have your like, set up an account and then you um, pay for our service how you like with credit card, cash, or cryptocurrencies, um, hopefully soon too. And then you're not using these, this login for for the actual service, but you're given a token of some kind that you then use to anonymously authenticate or more like authorize your usage of all our nodes and this is really important and this is the one of the hardest parts of the whole SPNs: how to make such a token that is both anonymous meaning we cannot know who you are when you use it and both secure and also um, doesn't allow abuse. And there are numbers of different ways to go about that. We'll start with a very, very simple Mm. way to do that, and then we'll expand into other systems. So that's something that we'll explore for a very long time and test out new systems and stuff like that. I
0: think it's like to, to evaluate the problem a bit more, like through the SPN, you want to decouple your internet browsing or connection tra- traffic <laughs> uh, from your IP. And so you use our network, but if if every connection and all the traffic is attached to a payment, because you have to authorize somehow to uh, against the servers you're using, then mm-hmm. that removes privacy again. Yeah. Yeah. Because then everything, like the ISP doesn't know it. We may not know it, but everything is linked to that payment, and then it's one single point of uh, information. We, we, one has to find out that is who paid it, and then you can link everything back.
1: Yeah. So there's no sense in using a multi-hop network when you tell every server you, your username. That defeats everything. So. That's how that's the part where we work around that problem and create some kind of system where you can use the network without telling every server who you are first.
0: Yeah. It's the same why it's useless to first use Tor and then log into a VPN because Yeah. Yeah. The exactly. VPN you have to tell the VPN who you are. Yeah. Okay, so that you you, you t- talked about different methods. Um, do you have anything in mind?
1: So the simplest thing to go about this is just to have one static token, like some secret key that we just give to everyone, and then everyone uses that to authorize. And because everyone gets the same key, we cannot know who it is. Of course, the problem with that is that you can just share this key with whom you want to and would never know um, what is who. how many people are using our services without paying for them. And that's where that really the tr- tricky part comes in where we kind of have to find a system that works in a way that helps us um, fight abuse. Yeah. So there, there are different things in cryptography that we're we're going to look at. There's something called um, group signatures. There's something called privacy pass that also allows anonymous tokens. And then um, there's also a way to use cryptocurrencies or crypto token um, for that in a special way, um, which is also described in a white paper that you can look through if you want to. So there's a lot of stuff coming here. And if you're interested in that point, just um, go and read about paper. We
0: have some solutions outlined there. So we have a few solutions outlined, but they need to be further explored and researched upon and then implemented. Yeah, 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 exactly. It does sound, especially the blockchain one, sounds very cool. if it works out. <laughs> I mean
1: if if it works out, yeah. that's that's the the big question.
0: If it um, r- really gives true privacy and you only pay for what you use. And yeah, the the those who provide the servers get money for providing the servers and it would really allow the network to grow yeah. uh, in an unimaginable so, way.
1: Also difficult to evaluate because um you have to somehow measure the impact on privacy that solution uses because they are very they're very special. Some of them are very new. So um we don't know yet if there's some information in all of them that could somehow be used to track someone. So well, there's a lot of evaluation and we'll probably um work together with lots of um consultancies um to to really flesh out a solution that that does exactly what we need.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's yeah. more R and D or research. Or it is. PR. Yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. So that that's like a very technical thing. Um, something. Um, I think some challenges. Uh, to, yeah. If if you, if you sure. want, are you moving to the next one or? Yeah, because I I wanted to ask like okay, if sure. this if if this really works out and if we get there in five or ten years or something and everything is blockchain based, would that mean that bandwidth, um, like the cost of bandwidth would become equal throughout the globe? Like would that, that also that... have an economical impact since? Be- like there are the, the the dollar is stronger than the Indian currency, I think rupee, and they, so mm-hmm. the bandwidth in India, well, if you compare it, is is more is cheaper than the American bandwidth. And do you think that would like have an impact economically? So that that's one big. So I don't think
1: that we will have an impact. Um, I don't think that we can go that big to to have such a big um, impact on how traffic costs because these are driven by factors that we don't control. But within the network, um, pricing bandwidth is very hard. So if if we are handling the payments, then we would just lower prices certain countries because the users there will then use also lots of servers in that country that then are also cheaper. So there's that, that will kind of I'll take care of itself to some extent. But if we go and put everything on the blockchain then there's only one price for traffic, which means that um traffic for example in India would be compared to the local strength of the currency would be a lot uh, more expensive. And that is something we have to take into account with all these systems, that the, the whole product itself stays economically viable. And that's another factor that plays into all this um, system, how we authorize users against the network. And this is going to be interesting. And that's just something we'll have to try and see how it works out. And yeah, so, but this, there's still a lot of time um, to to go about that and think about that.
0: Yeah. But this is
1: something that as a global network
0: will have an impact on us. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's. Like you said, it's, there there is time to evaluate all these things, also to evaluate if the blockchain is the best route and all that. Yeah. So it's nothing we need to answer now, but it's yeah. For me it was just interesting to think about that aspect. But yeah, move on to the next one. <laughs> sure. Okay, so
1: um what will what will happen in S Pin feature wise is that um you'll be able to um tweak how SPN routes on for for every app. So you could, for example, tell a saving app to simulate that a certain app is in a certain country. So for example, if you have, um, if you like to watch shows online that are only available in a certain country like the US, you could then tell the SPN to simulate that, like this one browser or this one app thinks that it is in the US. So it would um choose all the correct settings for you and use the correct servers for both DNS and all the routing and stuff like that. So that um for the app, everything appears as if you really were in that country.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I'm most excited about. It's it goes back to the fact that the Safing app intercepts every connection mm-hmm. and routes every connection individually, so it can spread your connections all across the globe, and later on it will. Uh, the when the application firewall comes into play, it will also enable us to say, to add this feature as you just mentioned to the S P N, where we say like I only want to. Browse Spotify in Sweden and the rest should be in Austria because I want to get mm-hmm. Austrian search results. Yeah. Yeah, for for example. Yeah. Or so, you can have a whole app go out at a certain country.
1: Yeah. Or you could just tell SPN to have to use way stronger settings for that certain app because you do very sensitive things with that. Or you have a special browser that you use for um investigating things online that you then handle in with a stronger um stronger settings
0: for with for more hops or something maybe. yeah
1: yeah for example yeah. That, that could be one thing or have add random ops hops to it so you you don't care about so much about speed with <laughs> these kind of apps but uh, you want the maximum privacy that there is and then SPN can adapt settings with just this app to a different profile.
0: Yeah, these are the things I like to talk about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so another really fun thing is that um because SPN is an overlay network, we can do all sorts of funny things. Um one thing I think especially, especially Raphael is is really looking forward to is that we will be able to use two internet connections simultaneously for connections so for example if you have two phones or if you have a wired internet and wireless internet you can hook up both to your computer and then use both of these connections at the same time to access content online this is really nice and that's i'm I'm really interested to to how this will work out
0: does this, and does this really benefit the speed or what what is the benefit in that
1: The benefit is for example, if you want to download big files, then the you can use everything you have available so it is faster it is faster bandwidth wise yes latency will be worse probably
0: okay. And could you also like set up something like having a big upload, but you still want to have a video call so you have the upload on 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 the ethernet and the video call on the Wi-Fi? That's a possibility.
1: That's something I've, I've thought about until now, but that should be possible.
0: But Oops. isn't this like superfluous since the Wi-Fi normally comes from the ethernet?
1: No, no. With wireless internet, I mean, like you have LTE or, like, with your phone, you hook up oh, your okay. phone to your your computer. Yes. So, really, two separate connections.
0: Okay, and then using. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So. Yeah. We could, yeah.
1: Yeah. And also in, in that area, um, as the the direct connection from you to the first. Um, entry server of the network is on a higher level it doesn't matter if your connection breaks or if you switch networks the the SPN will be able to just resume connections that were left um, otherwise broken without SPN
0: even if it changes the network yeah sure so
1: there's a lots of flexibility added to your internet experience and so you can switch from, from from your LTE phone connection to a wired internet connection without interrupting a long download? Or use both.
0: That sounds if, amazing. Yeah, and it is. Really <laughs> <It is> nice. <laughs> what kind of um is this already I guess it's conceptualized since you're a guy. Yeah, who, who... somewhat who? in my head. Some, in your head, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know, <laughs> like, I guess there are a lot of extra steps required to implement such a powerful tool or feature. Um, maybe? Yeah.
1: I'm not sure. I, I think the, the groundwork is pretty solid. So it wouldn't take all that much time to do that, but still extend the testing and all the details that, that make it um take, take longer. But the basic principle is actually not that difficult.
0: Okay. Yeah, we, we don't have to get too much into that. But yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> like you mean the foundation is as everything, as with everything else, the open source app sitting at the kernel intercepting a connection and then doing yeah. its magic with it.
1: Exactly. And then so, we moved all everything to a higher level where we can then be much more flexible.
0: Yeah. So you are sitting at the source and then instead of doing one magic trick or two you just add a third and you don't have to yeah dig deep into that again. Yeah, it's just yeah. like just yeah how how however you see it the word jest and (laughs) not the future because it is it is definitely complex as well
1: it is so many companies have attempted this on another level that's why it was hard for them and they failed so because they, they want to do it on the network level and that's where you have all these funny stuff because you then have to do loads of workarounds to make it happen yeah. And because we're not on network level but cause in the like OZ level, which is like a um a model how to view the layers of the internet, we sit um higher up, we don't have that problem that these other companies had.
0: Yeah, we just have to be tighter at the kernel and yeah. like deeper yeah, integrate into the OS. But so. the
1: downside is that of course that requires special software and the other companies wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Because they wanted to provide it on the network level. But as we already have the
0: software that's way easier for us
1: to do. Yeah.
0: Um, do you have other th- other features for the S P N in your pipeline? Because you said I would be surprised by some.
1: Um, no, no, that, that was regarding totally different things we will see later. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Okay. We're gonna continue with I think the firewall. And so a firewall will be something where you can just um block connections going from your from your device into the internet. But don't think of it like little snitch or um other firewalls where you're constantly bugged with what to allow, what not. We're going down the path of kind of defining behavioral profiles for an, for an application. So for example, you just select network scopes. You'd say, okay, this app is allowed to go on the internet, is allowed to go on the local network, or this app is allowed to do peer-to-peer connections. So more high level stuff, um, trying to kind of grasp the behavior of an app, but then of course, if you really want to, you can use filter lists and, and like, have a list of IPs or so whatnot to to block connections. But as soon as,
0: like as soon as an application is allowed to access the internet, then without uh, source information, you will have to ask the user with each request again, don't you?
1: Yeah, so this option will be available, but but that's not something that we envision people to use because, well, it's just so cumbersome to be asked all the time and you easily start just pressing okay or accept all the time because you just want to get work done.
0: Yeah, it's it's nothing we envision for our true long-term audience which is like our friends and our family, but the early adopters will probably start out with...
1: Yeah, that's a possibility. It is, yes. So that's something we're going about. And David, you mentioned crowdsourced intelligence. Maybe you want to (laughs) like give a short um, intro to that.
0: Sure, so like our concept for the application firewall since as Daniel mentioned it it would be very cumbersome for a, an everyday user to always like decide to whether to allow or deny a connection, we thought about what what if we outsource that knowledge, whether this is a good connection or a bad one, and let like experts decide on a platform. And then we integrate that data into the firewall so as an everyday user you can then just say hey i trust the expert community and then uh, the app does it does its magic and only very infrequently if there is no data available then it might pop up or maybe there's a default setting where you which even would like allow you to say if there's no data, just allowed to be sure, so the user has to, it's it's even easier for the user, even if we, this would like limit their privacy, but it would be already be a great step and there's no convenience lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
1: empowering people that just don't have the expertise to know all this on their own crowdsourcing from power users from experts from privacy enthusiasts to get a common ground on how an application should behave and what it shouldn't be able to do in order to protect your privacy Privacy. so that's kind of the vision of all that
0: yeah it comes back to our core mission that yeah, everybody can yeah. use privacy tools it's, yeah, in in terms of how long this will take, it's 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 a hard question for me. We are, I already started developing a lot of the platform, but this is in development freeze now. So yeah, I mean, it's a, in in five years, I can definitely see this already being out and used, but <laughs> I have no idea about the near future. It's it's gonna
1: take some time. That is that is true. Yeah so the other thing that interacts with this tightly is um, filter lists so you'll be able to use lists like um, you're already used to like ad blocks and and um, all these malware lists and phishing lists that are commonly used in extensions um, and software we will also provide you access to these and then um, slowly move over to our own crowdsourcing platform where, um, we can then collect all this data firsthand. But yeah. we will provide, um, these lists in, in the meantime until we f- feel confident to fully replace them or even permanently integrate them into our system. We'll, we'll see.
0: Yeah, it's it's gonna go hand in hand for quite a while, and then we will see if like i was uh, if the if the community driven one becomes much superior then it may may um happen that the other ones become superfluous but i i don't think that will happen anytime soon because they are also normally um de- maintained by very cool guys and dedicated people guys and guys and girls <laughs> yeah um but What what, what I like about the firewall is, or also also the automatic one, like when when the user doesn't have to decide anything anymore, it's like the ad blockers out there, especially uBlock is a very powerful tool, but it only protects the browser. So I'm really looking forward to give everyday users privacy over the whole computer, like what I do nowadays when I see friends without an ad blocker, I myself go to their browser, add uBlock origin, and it's done and I know they are safe. And I want to be able to do that with the application firewall as well. Yeah. Just download yeah. it and they don't have to worry. It's just a lot less ads and a lot less privacy invasion.
1: Yeah. that That's what we're looking forward to. And this is a very interesting time to to start out with. With this, because what we see with Chrome is that they're continually reducing the ability of app blockers.
0: Yeah, it's so awful. Th-
1: they they started first, I think, reducing the maximum uh, um, list entries for for blocking stuff, and then they now did something else, I can remember there were some changes or upcoming changes in the
0: API. They removed APIs for mm. extensions, yeah.
1: Yeah, so there's a slow and steady war going on there. Um, and if we can just sit beneath the browser, browser, we we just don't care what they do anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs>
1: and, and we can just block everything that the the browser misses.
0: Yeah, that was, yeah. Definitely, it's it's something I'm pretty frustrated about, but I also, well, it's a classic uh, example of money or greedy people, like they see how ad blockers take away their revenue, so what does Google do? Ads are their business model, so they take away power for, from the ad blockers hmm And it is yeah. very impactful because I th- I guess they implement this in Chromium. So yeah.
1: yeah. And then but, and then you will have to start um maintaining a separate patches for everything they do. And at some point it's not going to be worth it anymore.
0: Yeah. Which is and cool I,
1: because maybe Firefox will get more users in the future. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but like it's it affects Chrome, it affects Edge, I guess. The Edge the Microsoft guys, they'll just happily follow along
1: yeah probably
0: and folks who want to have a privacy chromium they have to as you said maintain a separate fork yeah yeah
1: but then also there's right now there are companies um, finding ways to work around even app lockers they've now started using subdomains of the customer for placing the the ads so you, the app blockers would have to add every single domain to them, they could just switch domains on a daily basis. So there are really new things coming to the battlefield and these are all things that um, we on a system level can easily tackle because we can do everything we want to but browsers and browser extensions especially are really confined to their API so they have to start working on big workarounds to solve these new problems when we can just tackle them as we wish on the system. How,
0: how does it work? Because I think it's it's about scripts and no longer being able to block a third-party script. Like you, you'd go to a blog site and then it's pretty obvious if a, if a script loads something from uh, adsense.com or something. Yeah. But how do these workarounds work? So how I understood that is um, instead of
1: linking to an ad in your web page to like adsense.com or whatever it is, um, the customer will set up a domain name called totallynotads.example.com I will then see name like alias it to adsense.com and then the, the blocker, the ad block, will only see totally not an ad.example.com. We'll say, huh, I, I don't know nothing about that domain, so it must be clean, and just permits it to, to go. But how and can we tackle that then? Because we can just look at the CNAME information. We oh, can okay. see that, we can see the, ad, the alias. And and go with that. And I think either Firefox or Chrome w- would be able to do a workaround. I forgot which one of them was, um, but one of the other um, doesn't have the option to do that at the moment.
0: At it ought it ought to be Firefox since Chrome is like <laughs> restricting more and more.
1: Probably. I'm. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure.
0: I saw I saw the thread on uBlock Origin on the on the GitHub and like Guarhill, the guy who maintains uBlock, I think he pointed out that Chrome is like more or less a lost cause <laughs> so he's not gonna try to work around anyway because in the future they will even be restrict even more. So it's just like, yeah. But that's that's very interesting so we can look at the C CNAME. Yeah, that's filter. That we... Yeah. That's
1: no problem for us. Yeah, that that that's really cool because, a system level, there's there are literally no
0: restrictions to what we can do. And it's all going to be open source, just yeah, and <laughs> just free, to, and free, yeah, and free. Is, yeah.
1: So that's that's going to be awesome. Okay, yeah. so these are like the first couple of first basic things we're we're talking about.
0: Basic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: So um, one thing, maybe um, I'm going to talk about the long, long long-term vision. So, and this is where it gets interesting. Also, for you, David, maybe. So there, there's a multi-phase plan to the the division, and so the first big phase is to stop. Um, companies collecting your data, which means um, securing your connection with SPN and detecting trackers and blocking them, detecting um, stuff like stock over your computer and and telling you, hey, you're stock over it. Are you sure you want that? And a lot of awareness, um, telling the user, hey, you're using that, this, and that service. They don't respect your privacy. Maybe use these other services. So, kind of going about creating a whole privacy assistant that will cover lots of parts. It won't do everything automatically, but it's designed to kind of help you. Um, clean up your digital life and become more private. So that's about stopping the data collection about you. And that's the first big phase. And the second big phase that we will start in, I don't know, five to 10 years somewhere, is to get all that data back that's already out there. So you have this Dropbox account, you have documents on Google Docs because it's convenient. And then you're using um, this and that service that stores data in the cloud for you. And this part is really about taking all this data back to you, regaining data ownership over your own data. And we don't know yet how this will look like. It certainly doesn't involve a cloud and probably involves a fog, which is a term that I like to describe. Um, When you highly connect your own devices to each other, then you have your own private cloud, but it's not a cloud because it's not out there, it's not something that's far away, you can't feel. It's with you and it's on the ground, so it's a fog. And I really love that so, term and that's that's kind of somewhere we're heading to at some point so don't expect any um, roadmaps or updates on that soon but that's where the vision goes is to enable to, to to be able to fully regain your privacy you don't only have to stop feeding all these companies with your data, but at some point we'll have to reverse the process and start getting your data back from where it already is.
0: So if, to put this in simpler words, maybe is the first phase or the, what would be, we enable you to withstand the mass surveillance, which is going on. So we equip you to, to block the data leakage towards all these abusive corporations and also governments. And the second idea is then to to recollect all those things that are already lost. Like if I uploaded like my everywhere about of the last five years to Google Maps because of the GPS tracker in my phone what am I going to do about it? Because it's on the Google servers, it's multiplied like 20 times, or I don't know how often they copy the data, but how, what am I to expect that I can reclaim that? Um,
1: So I hope that at some point Google will provide a somewhat good process to actually delete that data. But um, I think you got me wrong a little with regaining data ownership is um, is a little bit different so maybe you want to see all, you want to see whereabouts of the last five years. That's something you want and you value that service but the only one, but you can only view that data in with Google and what, I, what I'm thinking about is How about creating an alternative to NAT that only runs on your own devices? So kind of creating an alternative service and then stop feeding Google the data because you can now use, you can now view and and, um, have this data locally and use it. So it's not only about data but how you use that data. Of course, you can download everything from every, with GDPR especially, you can get a data dump from all the services you use, but you cannot use them. They're of no value. Yeah. And And then you have to bring value to this data again and having solutions that respect your privacy. And this is something that will be made out of lots of corporations. So kind of like building an, an app ecosystem of all these apps that respect your privacy and all state. You don't need an account for them because all state is stored in your own devices, and you regain full data ownership. And every everything
0: that you create stays with you. It somehow there, it 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 sounds like uh, the one concept you showed me once, where it was like uh, about you owning the data and you are allowed to share it to whomever you want and they may process the data. And then it was like a third party or, you, you know what I mean? This concept I'm, of
1: I'm I'm not sure ownership. what except you're talking about, but there are lots of projects starting out right now, going in that direction. So for example, Tim Berners-Lee, the founder, or the actually creator of the web, is currently going about a solution to that. I think it's called solid. Involves blockchain stuff, which I'm not a fan of blockchain because I just don't think it's a good idea to have a permanent record of anything. You you as that data owner should at any point in time be able to decide to permanently delete something. And the blockchain is the exact opposite.
0: I think there are a lot of aspects to all of this which we which you rolled out. Like to break things down, like one aspect was if it's named data deletion, that this is a right, and from the GDPR that is actually a right you have. So of that, course that is true. you can request a data dump from Google and you can request a data deletion from them, but seeing the data damp- dump and how little information there is in there and i am a thousand percent sure that they have like way more yeah like, because collected about they,
1: they just say oh that's not your data data it's our data <laughs> and but, you have no rights to our data
0: but well, and, well, and, maybe and they that's can't... the
1: point they, they just twist everything so that it fits
0: them yeah or it's, they may say yeah this is not individually like uh attachable to you or but it's my IP address and they say mm-hmm. no this isn't you this is like your uh, uh mobile device we're yeah, collecting I th- I things think, about
1: yeah there they're, I'm sure there are a lot of identifiers that they may argue with that. I think the IP address the GDPRS made really clear that the P address is personal identifiable data. Yeah so but
0: however they yeah. go about it it's 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 not serious. Like data deletion is in theory has become a thing with the GDPR. But I'm really not sure how effective it it is.
1: Yeah, we we still have some some way to go here. Yeah. So that that's the second phase about reclaiming your data and having real data ownership, not virtual data ownership. And then the do you want to add something uh, more to that?
0: Yeah the, the second thing was more about the idea is isn't some uh, the services like the cloud services or uh, storage systems in the cloud? Isn't they encrypt? like if you encrypt all your data locally and then upload the encrypted data to the storage system, storage server, and then you use their service, but they don't have any data about you or not too much? Isn't does that go in? Is that aligned with the idea of the fog?
1: It, it will definitely be part of the transformation process, but ultimately I envision um, a system that can do without that. But it, in the beginning, it, it will be like some middle ground that, that we will have to work with just because it's so common and convenient and until we can replicate this experience, we will probably um, use something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's... So th- this, is a, this will be a very long transformation process, and uh, so this is something very different to the first phase where it's a software, you install, and you're finished because moving your data switching services is lots of work and people will need a lot of hand-holding to complete all these processes and, and procedures. So this will be way more difficult, I think, to do really good um, and but difficult in a very different aspect because what we do now is technically very difficult and then it will be technically and very difficult for um, in terms of communication and support and and, like difficult for our customers and that will be a new challenge for us too
0: yeah if we get there ever i (laughs) hope so
1: (laughs) (laughs) we will see we will see
0: it's definitely a far-fetched goal or like a, a vision like it's it's not something for the next five years it's it's beyond that yeah, it is. And if you say there are already different parties developing these systems, we may already be at a much further state than we are today, and maybe yeah, others yeah. will have solved a lot of the big things anyway. So that that that'd be we cool. Can we can just participate into their
1: ecosystems yeah. and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So. Um, The that was the second stage. There is a third stage. I'm not sure if if <laughs> I should
0: talk about that. You even have a third stage, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So, but the third stage is is also a lot of people are already going about that. But the third stage will kind of go into the direction of of hardware, where. Um, I'd like to go in the direction of hardware that protects your privacy, uh, is open source and all that stuff. And something simple, maybe to give you something concrete to, to chew on, um, is um, fitness trackers. You have all these fitness trackers and you have the companion apps, and all your data goes to the cloud. And why not um, either? create a fitness tracker or reverse-engineer a protocol for an existing one, um, create an open source companion app and then link this into the ecosystem created in phase 2.
0: This, this reminds me so much of the XKCD comic. Where it's like the situation twelve competing standards, and Daniel <laughs> says this is unacceptable. Why not add a new standard and then there's like the to, new to situation. Add them all, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and then this, the new situation is thirteen competing standards.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's that's how I think we're we're going at. Um, is it or is it, it all? You- so it, this this is very very far fetched, but this is the of kind course, of yeah. this is the last bit we need to have to fully privacy protect our digital cells.
0: Is does it also touch the issues we have with the Intel chips and all that stuff, or is it more about the standards and the IoT Internet of Things and all those crazy things collecting data yeah, about us?
1: Yeah, it, it will definitely start with all the IoT stuff because that's easier, cheaper to go about. Um, if we've solved all of the problems we can think about, we'll go out Intel.
0: We're, we'll go to phase four, solving the Intel chip problem, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or processor, I'm not sure. But
1: um, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe until then the world is also different. Maybe ARM chips will have taken over. and. <laughs> someone actually thought it was a good idea to not put something like that in it again.
0: Yeah. We'll see. We shall Prob- see. Yeah. Probably so, not.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I still have my hopes up, so but yeah. <laughs> that yeah. that's kind of yeah, the the very very far-fetched um vision goal stuff. It's yeah,
0: yeah it, I I I <laughs> It's a fun talk and fun looking towards these crazy ideas and far-fetched visions. And as you can see, we're not going to get bored. No, no. If we ever get bored, Daniel has ideas. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and if we achieve stage four, <laughs> a stage five, six, seven, eight and 9 we'll already be in the pipeline.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I think as of stage five or six, it will involve a lot of space, so we'll, we'll have lots of ideas there. There are so great things we can do there. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that's the we'll, time we'll to slow down. We'll Elon Musk and <laughs> do lots awesome of stuff there. I'm yeah. not sure if it
0: <laughs> we, we, we make sure we don't make the same mistakes on Mars as we did on Earth.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Privacy preserving Mars. <laughs> Stage 9. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's fun talking to you. Of course, uh, we, I, I can point again to like, we know which, where we are standing at and what the next steps are. And these are talks about the future and it's fun talking about the future, but it's also, yeah, we'll tackle all of these things as we get there. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So for the next year, we have very concrete things, very concrete plans. Um, yes. Yeah.
0: We didn't and even touch the mobile support, but that is also something that is part of phase 1. Yeah.
1: That, that especially with um with upcoming um employees, that's something we'll look into. Yeah. And I'm really I'm looking forward to hiring a lot more people and creating whole teams for these problems
0: yeah definitely <laughs> it's it's exciting and we are we are pumped about the Kickstarter and about yeah, the next television. year and about the s p n release and all that stuff and we're working hard on it it it's fun fun to do it's a nice having a reason to get out of bed and it's fun that you all are joining along so <laughs> thank you yeah. daniel You're well, welcome very nice it talk was, it was very fun yeah definitely and we'll see each other around and we will see you viewers as well, and uh, listeners as well. You are always welcome to join the Reddit at r.safing. And yeah, I guess, you know where to find us anyway. So have a good one. Bye. Bye.